0: It's Kieran Reid,
1: Australia trying to score down through
0: Douglas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. And This is a show that keeps getting you up over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. I'm Rugby Reg, and I'll be your host for the show alongside two of the very best in Matt Rowley. How are you going, Matt?
2: Oh, mate, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty filthy, actually. I'm pretty filthy, Uh that's that's what that was one refereeing performance too far, but I think we'll come on to that.
0: We will indeed get on to that indeed, um, and there is plenty of filth to be had around. Um, but speaking nice and clean now, Mister Hugh Cavill also joins us. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm okay, Reg. I'm a bit more positive. We can't lead off about the ref. It was a it was a, a good performance by the All and I suppose not to get too far ahead again. But um, yeah, good to see us a little bit more willing, but still a pretty devastating loss. Um, yeah. Whew. NRC, though, some fantastic <laughs> yes. We'll get to that. We've
0: got plenty to chat about. But look, guys, it's been another tough week for Australian rugby, and some of the flack we've copped has been around this vision of Michael Chica's reaction in the coach's box. Yeah, a rather aggressive reaction, as we know Check is capable of doing. Many people have called it, uh, uh, you know, this, this letting loose a spray of expletives, and they're not too happy about it. So we're not so sure, are we, though, lads? We've done a bit of our own analysis on this, and we've developed our own theories. So, Matt, what about you? You, you know, is Matt is Checker saying what these uh, so-called experts are actually saying, he's saying?
2: No, mate, no, they've got it wrong. Um, You've got to remember, Michael Checker speaks several languages. Um uh, you know in, including French, I believe. and um, so he, what he's actually talking about, he's thinking about what he's going to be eating that night um, at obviously a very um, highfalutin French restaurant in Wellington. Um, is this story still making sense? And um, and he, he's thinking he, what he's actually saying is uh, fondue, fondue um, Montcherrie en fondue. Um, yes, is, is, is what he's saying. So if you if you if you watch it back, and I'm sure we'll put this underneath the podcast, you'll see that that's they're the F's and C's that he's actually uh, dropping. That's that's
0: interesting. That's a, that's a nice perspective. Hugh, what do you think? Have you seen the footage?
1: I, I have actually, and and I've, I've actually taken it a bit, bit different to Matt. I mean, I agree with you that he wasn't, you know, saying the expletives because I mean, we know Checker. He's a, he's he's not one for swearing. He's a pretty back. You know, he's he's a pretty withdrawn sort of type, and yeah. I, I think. He, you know, having swearing is a bit, is, is uh, hard to believe. Actually, you know, he was talk- it was sort of a subject I think we were talking about a few weeks ago, actually. I, I read it as a, a vehement uh, call to bring back rucking. And, ah. um, you know, it was, it's rucking, it's rucking was uh, was the thing that, that, that I yeah, read into it. And, yeah. You know, I think that, that that's obviously his um the, the thing that he needs to go yeah. back the game.
0: Interesting, because I I thought thought New Czech is a bit of an R&B man, you know, loves loves his music there. And uh, from my perspective, it was, um, you know, really giving that close analysis. He was singing one of those, because he's getting into it. I thought he was singing one of those, that old Tina Turner song, that What's Love Got to Do? And he's, what's love, what's love got to do? got to do with the, uh, we'll put the footage up there you guys come up with your own mind but I'm, I'm pretty sure one of us has got this on on uh, pretty accurate here I'm um, um,
1: so pretty yeah. sure that's the first time anyone's ever sung on this podcast <laughs> it is. do you reckon it might be the last it's the loose definition <laughs> of singing it's a good chance
2: yeah
0: It's no harker. But, uh, look, we are coming to you from uh, either our regular podcast stream, our website, greenandgoldrugby.com, or as part of the Eon Sports Digital Radio Network. And we're thrilled to have you with us for another week. We've got five burning questions coming up soon, but thought, Matt, we might touch on uh, some podcast reviews, and we're not too sure who this review is actually for,
2: perhaps. Well, that's right, because uh, obviously now we've got two podcasts in the stable. You get two for the price of one, which was always free, so that's not bad, is it? Um, but this one, is. it says great work from Weaves99, and he's, or she, or he is saying, enjoyable and and sometimes witty <laughs> chat about Australian rugby. Have captured the rugby chat over a few pints vibe perfectly. He might be meaning 10 or 12 pints um, like the idea of the new match review pod just tell the boys to turn down the F-bombs to somewhere less than 11 um, no worries, actually I was listening to the report card today, as they say it's not everybody, you know, if you'd like your cup of tea with sugar, it's not the cup of tea for you um, <laughs> and um, the boys were getting stuck in, they have toned it down a bit but it's still nice and raw um, and, he's, and anyway, uh, Weavesy Follow ends off by saying, it's good to hear someone speaking positively about Aussie rugby. Lord knows we need it. So um, on you, Weavesy, for leaving a review.
0: Yeah, nice work. It's probably a little bit more PG-13 than the hard R it was a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah. uh, come back, fellas. It's a, it's a good listen. Um, we're going to get into our five burning questions. And just to run through them quickly for you so you can play along, is first question, question is simply, was Wellington an improvement? by the Wallabies. Uh, question two, and I don't know whether Matt can hold off uh, on this one, but number two, did Franks deserve a red card? Uh, three, is Quade worth persisting with, and as by extension, how did our changes go in that test match? Question four is, uh, which Wallabies... Could most do with an NRC hit-out? There's no test matches this weekend. Who should be playing in the NRC? And uh, question five after that is the NRC. Who caught your eye on last weekend's National Rugby Championship? So let's go straight to that first question. And, Hugh, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the Wellington game, we went down uh, 29-9. Was it an improvement? Was it a better performance in Sydney the week before?
1: It was. It was. And I think the scoreline was pretty well reflective of where we're at. It was a 20-point loss as opposed to a 40-point loss. Um, but it had to be better. You know, there, was, there, there wasn't um, much lower you could go, I, I would have thought, and, and I think that test proved it. I mean, the, the most encouraging sign for me in a game that was pretty, still pretty bleak, I'm not going to try and sit here and say we played well, but um, at least we fronted up physically. And that was the thing we were missing in, in the first test. Um, and, look, it actually boiled over to probably going a bit too far, a bit too much of the niggle, and it got Adam Coleman, um yellow card and, and and gave away a few silly penalties but uh at least our forwards came in and muscled up and the set piece was a little bit of a shambles especially the lineout but in terms of you know the ruck and more battle and just that willingness in defense I was happy to see it come back um in, in the tight stuff and in, in the end it, it meant that the all Blacks had to go wider and wider and that was where they found uh, they found a bit of space and and made those half breaks through the wide channels exploiting The defence of of Haylett Petty and and Karevi and um, uh, Rhys Hodge later in the game and and those sort of guys. But yes, an improvement. I think we went from a 2 out of 10 to a a 4 out of 10. Um, So, I don't know. It's it's encouraging signs a little bit, but it's it's, it's, it's still not um, not where you'd like to be. Yeah, I I was less impressed. I don't know, mate. I...
0: I thought the difference was the All Blacks, and maybe they, maybe we didn't play them as well, but they were superb in Sydney, and they tore us apart. I don't think we improved much at all, and you know, <laughs> the stats aren't over impressive. I think we only had 45 possession both games. You look at the stats; they all line up, similar sort of meters, similar sort of you know attacking. We didn't beat the line; we didn't threaten the line at all that game. I just, it just frustrated me at no end. It just we just don't seem to have a clue on how to. Uh, to, to break the line, get across the advantage line, to do anything positive in these games. And it, it just frustrates me no end. And, and you know, looking ahead at the rugby championship, maybe things will change once, you know, we play Argentina and South Africa and those guys play the All Blacks. We might get a, a better picture of where we stand. But, mate, I didn't get much out of that test at all. What about you, man?
2: Yeah, mate, look, I, I, for me, I kind of hit a tipping point where you just had to say something is now deeply wrong. And you can't just keep going saying there's going to be little improvements. I mean, there are some big things that are really out of whack. Um, a friend of and Gold Rugby, uh, he's been on the podcast, he's written for us before, Andrew Logan... He, um, on his personal Facebook page, actually, he wrote a really interesting point leading up just before this test match. And he was just talking. He said, look, I don't want to be negative, but check this out. If you look at the number of points we've conceded in test matches um, since that quarter final versus Scotland, they add up to, they are, and this is just each of the number of points we've conceded in those tests, 34, 15, 34, 39, 23, 44, 42, and then on the weekend, 29. So, before the 29 on the weekend, that was averaging 33 points per game we were letting in in test matches. So, that's I, a big who on earth can let in that many points at test level and expect to win anything? So, you know, there's just fundamental stuff that's just obviously wrong. And actually, there was a really good piece that I caught on Twitter, which, um, you know, we'll try and remember to put up on the site as well. I think it was on the the uh, Kiwi rugby show just you know analyzing our defense um and just how kind of soft and, and it's become and I think on the weekend it was really caught in two minds it didn't know if it was jamming up it didn't know if it was trying to push out it was just all over the place and I think the Kiwis just couldn't believe um you know how easily they're going to make hay of things uh, look I mean I guess you know in my mind it was just could we keep it at least to under the 42 points from the previous week is considering we had a bunch of injuries and and the the state of mind that the guys are going to be in and the fact that they're going to be away from home this time so i guess there's some upside in that but i just you know we just can't keep going like this and you've got to start to ask what's going to change and you know Checker does his martyr thing where he says oh, i blame myself we you know whatever well you know when i read those number of points that have been lost in every test i'm like so when you know mate something's got to change you just can't keep fronting up and thinking this is going to do it
1: yeah, yeah well look I'm, I'm not trying to argue it's all it's all rosy i mean i think you both i mean the answer, the question is it wasn't improved improvement, it was it had to be mm. you know we conceded 29 when we you know as opposed to 42 the week before i mean that's uh, that and our defense was better um yeah but you're right mate. you're 100 percent right uh, it, it's it's un- it's untenable and And uh, I was saying to a Kiwi mate of mine, you know, maybe this next test about against South Africa, this is a a real referendum because you know we we can tell ourselves that the All Blacks are that good, and you know even England are that good. You know, England came out fired up and they were Six Nations champions and you know ten game winning streak and whatever, whatever. Um, Maybe those two teams are really, really good, and you know we just we just caught them at the wrong time, or. Maybe just we're actually pretty bad and I think most all Wallaby fans deep down probably think that, that probably know that that's probably the truth and but I think the South Africa game might um, might expose that pretty brutally.
0: Yeah, mate, it's like that recent cricket tour we had where the Aussies would sort of get on top and have Sri Lanka down for five and get them out for a low score and everything. Oh, Australian cricket's back on top and would get rolled. So, you know, until both teams bat on the same pitch, you can't judge. And similarly here, until we get to play South Africa, until the the box and the Argentines play New Zealand, we have got don't have a great understanding of where we are despite the fact we've lost six in a row and the Poms beat us 3-0. And those defensive stats, uh, Matt, you mentioned blow my mind and what's Nathan Gray talking and he you know the game before this that sort of the week before this last test he's talking about defense we can turn it around in a week but uh, we haven't turned around in six months by the sound of it.
2: No uh, it's a the bit to me the feeling I get from it is it's a bit all or nothing so it's a bit like we're either going to absolutely dominate a team in defense and we're going to turn our defense into attack with these big hits that are going to disrupt them, but I think what we're finding clearly at test level is that's just not working. Um, and it, you, you need to, you know, in defense you need to turn it into a grind, you need to make every, um, you know, sort of tackle count, and you just can't have these this looseness which we've got, and I it's not actually something that's natural to our Australian game. You know, we usually play with you know a really, really good, um, really good defence defensive line, and we've talked about you know previous World Cups how important it is to us. So, I really do think that's something where you know you're really seriously smoking a crack pipe if you think you can average thirty points in Test matches um, defensively and, and get anywhere.
0: Yeah, damn straight. And, and Hugh, again, you mentioned it before. How many times they get this overlap? You know, they just for some, they just get it outside our men so easily. And Matt, you alluded to that there's some uh, uh, hypothesis out there that it's some sort of defensive alignment that we're marking in like, infield, but it's uh, it's not working because they're scoring uh, plenty of tries and making plenty of meters. Look, one of the big aspects from this match, and this is the second question, was uh, the refereeing. Um, which we'll get into, but the, the the standard question we'll anchor this to is is this incident with the alleged gouging with Frank's and on Kane
2: Douglas's face, of
0: Kane Douglas's face. was this a red card, Matt?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, what I actually thought was, um, you know, that was something that was going to get a review, and you know, yep. from a sighting perspective, I mean, that to me, I just always thought that was one of those areas where it's just instant. Um, you know, you, you, you're looking probably multiples of six weeks. Um, you know, instantly for kind of because it, it's not even called eye gouging, is it? It's around no. being in the vicinity of the eyes. I mean, they've they've tried to keep it as general as that to keep people away from doing these sorts of things. So how on earth we've now seen both. I mean, I think Sanzar's only equivocation was to try and say there was another angle that justified it. Well, we saw the other angle and it makes it look as bad if not worse. So look, yeah, I I don't know how you get there. For, for me. This incident, um, th- th- this was only one part of it, though, right? And you mm, can yeah. judge it there, Reg. It was more about the refereeing. And I think where we got to on Saturday night was where Poiss and, I guess, as an ex- you know, him as an extension of Sansa said, look, we're not even going to try and pretend that we're playing this game evenly anymore. Um, and so, you know, because you can say, and I think we all do give refs the rub of the green to say, hey, look, they're making fast decisions on the trot. They get some right, they get some wrong. It kind of evens out, whatever else. But when you are deliberately, when you've decided you're only going to talk to the captain of one side, um, even when and I, can, I can accept that there have been times in previous test matches where I think Stephen Moore and the, the Wallabies have put a referee in a place where they've said, hey, guys, just stop talking at me for a minute because this is crazy. I get that, but that didn't happen on Saturday night. And if anything, the Kiwis were talking to and at the ref as much as um, the Wallabies were. And I thought Stephen actually, from what I could see, um, you know, was was keeping it pretty well under control, and quite clearly came in with a predetermined, I don't want to talk to you. And if a ref goes into a match like that, that he's, he's already admitted bias because he's decided that he will take information from one side, but he won't take it from another. And I think once you're at that situation, that's just untenable. You can't be in that situation. You, as a ref, can't go into a match saying, I'm going to treat one side differently from the other, and that's what he's done. And that's even before you get to the decisions he's made on the field where, I mean, from that vision, he was looking straight at this guy rummaging around, you know, Franks in that r- ruck. That's amazing. If he met, if he missed that, that's quite amazing, although it's fast and it's not the only thing he was looking at. But then you had, you know, the whole swinging arm thing. Um yes. From, from Dane Coles. I don't know how... How is that possibly a penalty and not a yellow card if you've swung an arm at a guy's head? Um, totally okay with Coleman's yellow card. That was just dumb.
0: Yep, um, yep,
2: And he should have got one. But, you know, anyway, those other two non-decisions and then there was just the, you know, then you can get into the bits and bobs um, around penalties and whatnot. But for me, it went a step too far when you had a ref clearly go in and decide that he was going to referee a game in a bias situation.
0: You, your perspective of the refing and I guess this Frank's incident, and and further than that, how Sansar have reacted to the lack of sighting. do you think it was as bad as we're saying?
1: Oh look, I I wouldn't go so far as Matt in the in the sense of, about part and and the deliberate bias. I mean, uh, firstly with the Frank's thing, I can kind of see Sansa's point. In, you know, I can. He was. He was trying to reach around and, 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 you know, there's no evidence that he particularly knew what he was doing. You know, he wasn't. But at the same time, with tip tackles these days, it, it seems out of whack to me that with, with tip tackles these days, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what your intent is. You yeah. know, if you put a player in a dangerous position, then you will get a yellow or a red card and possibly a suspension. Um, And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how much control you have over that situation. Um, And I feel like that that principle hasn't been applied here. You know, where where Owen Frank's in a very dangerous country uh, in terms of being, you know, around uh, Kane Douglas's eyes there. And uh, I don't know why at least it wasn't cited and and put before a judiciary because – you know, again, same thing. You know, it's the same logic. If you he, Kane Douglas is in a dangerous position, you've put him in that position where your fingers are, are right around his eyes, and something could very, very easily go badly wrong. Um, I, I, I think a, a few weeks on the sideline wouldn't have been the worst uh, outcome there, and, and certainly I think a few of the New Zealanders agree with that. But but taking a step back, Reg, and I, I, you know, you can talk about decisions and you can talk about the way quite refereed the game. My broader point. So, at the World Cup last year, we, we basically worked out, you know, we got to see who the best refs were. You know, Nigel Owens refereed the final, uh, Garces and Barnes did the semifinals, um, and then those three did the quarters as well as Craig Joubert. So, we got to see the best four referees in the world being Craig Joubert, Garces, Wayne Barnes, and um, and Nigel Owens. Now, we've had the two Bledisloe Cup games the last two weeks. So, the, grand, the, the World Cup final replay, um, you know, arguably – you know the most important two games in world rugby certainly certainly in our part of the world they are why didn't we get you know one of these four referees we we've got the, at best, the fifth and sixth-ranked referees in the world uh, the last two weeks in Jaco Piper and Roman Poit. Why have Sanzar, why have World Rugby not given us the best two referees? Because this outcome is entirely predictable if you're not putting your best men on the biggest games. And that's exactly what they've done here. And it's not like these guys are the top refs are injured or indisposed. You know, They're still around. It's just for whatever reason we didn't put them on it. I, I find it absolutely baffling. And you know, next week the um sorry, two weeks time the next biggest game, the All Black Springboks. Um, it's it's Angus Gardner, the Australian, and he wasn't oh, even refereeing the World Cup. So, look, yeah. I love Angus Gardner. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, that, why why isn't Nigel Owens down here? Why yeah. isn't Wayne Barnes? Why isn't you know Jerome Garces? Why why aren't these top guys being given these games? It's it's it makes no sense to me. So of course you know, Poit's not. One of the best refs in the world, he's not, and and to me that was that was uh, proven pretty thoroughly on Saturday, where you know he was erratic to both sides and he blew penalties that we haven't seen in all year, uh, and it, it, it was a, it was a really scrappy, messy game of rugby, mainly because of the way that he uh, he oversaw it.
0: Yeah, all right, my opinion, and yeah, we're, we're, we're on two issues here, aren't we? The, the Ben Frank's one, I don't I don't understand how it hasn't been escalated. I watching it real time and. His hands go to the face. The referee says, hands away, black. His hands move away and then go back to the face. And it looks like he's feeling around for his eyes before going down. And the reverse footage, actually, you can see them close over the eyes and then then cover the eyes as if he's playing peekaboo. And it's shocking. And I can't, I was waiting for the touch judge to come in. I was legitimately waiting. I pointed it out to my son at the time. I was waiting for the touch judge to come in at the next play. play. That didn't happen. I thought the sighting was just a, moment, you know, a matter of time. That didn't happen. And then this generic response that, you know, there was nothing seen untowards. I just can't get over that. And I saw some Kiwis, and it was only a matter of time, have come up with some footage. I think it was actually Kane Douglas himself um, in the same ca- ca- game around the 28-minute mark... Um, Uh, getting his hands on someone's face, going through a ruck. But the difference you can see there is Douglas or Coleman, whoever it was, it might have been Coleman, in fact, he does make eye contact with the face, but he immediately moves his hands away, recognising that, and goes back to clawing at the torso or whatever. This was just blatant from my perspective if it wasn't it wasn't gouging i'm happy not to go that far but it was definitely attacking the face and here for the same season you say a, a reckless arm and a tackle or a reckless tip tackle or, or you know tackle in the air it should have been a card on the spot yeah. as for the refing, i don't i don't you know, I don't follow the refs much. I don't know who, you know, I know the names. I don't know who's good at what and what they focus on. This has got to be one of the worst refereeing, dis- most inconsistent refereeing displays I've seen. But, Matt, the, the points you made about how he dealt with the teams was just so obvious to me. I mean, I, uh, and it wasn't just, he you you, you spoke to the Kiwis nicely. He spoke to them all. They all had their say, and he had stopped and made time for them all throughout the match and was pushing more away. I, I just couldn't get over that.
2: Well, then we got to the point when, um, you know, uh, Pocock's down for a head knock, concussion knock, and he won't stop the game. Um, yeah. You know, it's it was, just, it was just stuff like that, which was like, mate, you've just gone to, you've lost it. You've lost control of the game. You've lost control of yourself in this game. That's just ridiculous. Um, and just the same thing you'd say to a teacher in, in control of a classroom, who clearly has basically decided that, you know, he's only going to talk to, you know, what one side of a faction and not another. It's like, I'm sorry, guys, you, you, mate, you're now part of the problem. Um, and that's that's where Poit got to. I, I don't think other refs had managed to, you know, even as manically one-eyed as I, as I can be when it comes to refs, I just think he really did go past a point, um, and that we haven't heard anything more about these things that go on. I mean, it just continues to fuel this tinfoil hat conspiracy theory that um, basically Kiwis can continue to get away with anything, which they, which, which they seem to be doing.
0: Yeah, and this whole – I mean, its it's been an issue with rugby for ages, particularly the, the Sands are, is, is what the citing process is and the judiciary and does it exist and all this sort of stuff. And it, it seems not existent. That was just, OK, game's over, let's move on, forget about anything that sort of resulted. And then every now and again, you'll get these – Bizarre sort of sightings that happen overnight that you don't, nothing's picked up in the games. Whereas this most obvious one's just been uh, gone without comment, which
2: well, just blows well, like, my mind. I was remembering back to that whole Hooper thing last year in, in Argentina. Remember when they kind of reopened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, it got looked at once. It even got reopened a second time. I mean, you know, the, you can have that happen, and yet this just kind of sails by, and you just sit there scratching your head, absolutely mad.
0: All right, let's move on to um, our next question. That's about some of the performances, and they made a number of changes. Karevi came in, Foley played at 12, obviously Quade played at 10, Fardy was back in the starting side, Adam Coleman uh, started, and a couple of guys on the bench. Um, starting with Quade, uh, I guess, you know, how did these new boys go here? Were you um, satisfied that we got out of them what we wanted to get out of them?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think our our um, the new guys came in and, and performed Look, more or less pretty well. I certainly think Adam Coleman, for all, you know, his his brain snap aside, I actually thought he added a, a good physicality and had a few really good moments. Um, I thought Scott Fardy came back pretty well. Um, and in, in the back line, look, I was impressed by Quade Cooper. I thought the kicking game was enough to justify his place, just getting someone to be able to get some distance on those clearing kicks. It's, yeah. It was probably the best... Uh, the, the best kicking performance we've seen all season from, from uh, kicking out of hand. And look, you know, he didn't get that much chance chance with with the ball, but um, what he did, I think he, he did fairly well. So, look, certainly I, I'm happy to see him given another shot. And look, Samu Karevi um, was exposed a bit f- for mine in defence, but he, we were throwing him in the deep end, really, uh, you know, as playing a 13 outside of an inexperienced 10-12 combination, um, you know... It, I think he was he was really up against it there and 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 was made to look a bit um, foolish at times by the All Black outside backs, but he'll he'll be better for that experience and and he, again didn't get a huge amount of ball there, so I can't be too critical of him. Um, I'm not sure that backline balance is right, and I've got to say yeah, as much as we bemoan him and and he gets a gets a. Um, gets a bit of flack on the side. A guy like Rob Horn would just be um, a real tonic to that back line in defense right now. It's someone with a bit of steel because um, it, it was a pretty uh, patchy effort um, on the weekend. So, look, yeah, I, I think I'm happy to see the same 15 kept. I think, you know, maybe even bring in Matt Tamour for, and uh, give Bernard Foley a week on the bench, maybe um, see if uh, Matt is just that straighter running, that bit more physicality in defence. I think that might be what our what our team is um, what our team is looking for. But um, yeah, I, I think overall a, a pass Mike, in, in a pretty average performance.
0: Max, what are your thoughts on that ten twelve combination? The
2: Cooper Foley did that work from your perspective? Well, look, yeah, I'm gonna if uh, for it's basically all Queenslanders, or should I say non. Uh, Waratah supporters, Sit down for a minute, Um, because um, yeah, I mean, look. What I'm going to say is, like, even uh, last week, where I got to was, um, you know, uh, you know, time for time for Foley to have a rest, Um, and it's as much maybe in his own play as Hmm. if you're in a situation where you've got a team that can't win their lineout, if if you've got. If you if you don't have that kicking game, then it just it's just self compounded. So, and I, I think what Hugh was talking about was I remember exactly that clearing kick that Quay did, where suddenly we were in the opposition's half from an exit, um, mm. and you know suddenly it was like you know the bomb a bomb had been defused um, because you know it was no longer the pressure the pressure straight back on us. Whereas you know we've just got used to that situation where Foley's clearing kick is just outside of the twenty two and, you know, Moore's going to have a yips at a throw and, yeah. and suddenly we're conceding another try, right? Um, and so the, the difference between those two situations is so stark that you're just like, well, my God, uh, you know, it, whether it's for the right or whether it's for the wrong reasons, you know, things just need to change. Um, and so, you know, that's where I got to with Foley. Um, it, and, and then I just think, I don't know whether it's his... Whether she's confidence, I think not. You know, him not playing with Beal has been a massive thing. Mm. Um, not having yeah. not not having that combination, it's the sort of the same thing that you know Cooper without Genia, he doesn't have quite the same mojo. Um, you know, whatever that happens to be, you know, Foley's just not in that place. And yeah, I think we from Sydney, we just got to a point where we said, look, there needed to be a change. And yes, I like the look of um, yeah Cooper. You know, bought a bunch of qualities, and considering the game he was being, you know, he was getting getting dropped in at. Um, he didn't do badly at all. The other person I just wanted to say, um, you know, had a moment where you thought, hmm, that's a wallaby, was Reese Hodge with that penalty kick. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was just like, bing, you know, here's a wallaby. Is this, an, Is this? you know, uh, people have talked about, you know, the next Sterling Mortlock, um, you know, the size of him, the fact that he could kick a ball from about halfway and it kept going 20 metres through the posts. let's <laughs> um,
0: Get him to South Africa. Let's get him to uh, 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 the above sea level quickly. We could be kicking him from his own 22.
2: Exactly. I mean, how that would change the game for us. So, yeah I, I, yeah, I thought he as well did that. Look, there was a bunch of guys, I agree with Hugh, who kind of, in a tough circumstance, kind of showed a fair bit of medal. And I did really like the attitude that I saw from the Wallabies. There's been a lot of whinging Kiwis out there. Didn't like getting some of their own... Um, source, and I mean, how much how they can blame all the niggle on Australia in that match, and basically, it's just a who's not going to stand down thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and um, other news that you'll be really happy about, Reg, is that the Waratahs have signed Dean Mum for
1: another year.
0: Yeah, um, I saw that, and, and I was, was going to mention,
1: eh? I'm pretty sure he got an ARU top up too. <laughs> oh, let's not, let's not go
0: too far, but look, it was interesting. you mentioned Fardy, and I agree, I thought Fardy was well, but interestingly, he came off he was pulled pretty early before half time when Adam Coleman got um the yellow card, and that was almost like those scrum situations by necessity because if if he didn't come on, we' were down to Jess Douglas jumping in the line at, so mum came on he, and full credit to me he has been good off the bench this last couple of tests um it'll be interesting to see if he gets a run. Versus the box starting, I don't know how it fit in there, but um, yeah. Look, I, I think he's been pretty decent. It's harsh for Fardy, but one of those decisions that probably had to be made.
1: Um, with can I can, well. I can I take yeah, quickly yep. quickly before you go, Reg? Because I know you've yep. got a you've got a solid twenty five quade minutes in you there. Um, <laughs> the um, the one play that and because I'm going to keep I'm going to keep giving him I'll give him another wrap. Um, Adam Coleman, the one play that warmed my heart, and he was in the back end of the game. We'd already lost at this point, but. I think the All Blacks were attacking in our 22. And I haven't seen this for a long time um, from a Wallaby team or from an Australian team even where an All Black, I think it might have been Kane or, or it was someone who took a hit up and Kane Douglas and Adam Coleman tackled them and held them up, did did, did the classic yeah. sort of he, he held the ball up off the ground, called the, got the more called and then went to ground and we got the turnover. I haven't seen that in ages and I really like that in that sort of – that the the physical prowess to do that, but as well as having having the thought processes go through it. So, look, I hope I hope we can get our first um, lock pairing uh, a back to back selection because um, that, I think those two might look to have the goods about them longer term. Yeah,
0: I, I like that combo too. I like Coleman a lot, um, and I thought Douglas obviously was a step up from last week. But interesting, Coleman, uh, our old Sully um, on the website today on the blog uh, wrote an article. I think it was called uh, Had the Wallabies Really Changed. And he noted that you take away Coleman's name and replace it with Rob Simmons and go through those stats and number of penalties given and number of runs made and meters made and the yellow card, how many line outs he won. It wasn't many. Um, and people will be jumping up and down. Simo's darted us again get rid of him, get rid of him. Interesting one as a stat comparison, and, and compare that to Simo's performance in the previous test. It was pretty similar, um, minus the yellow card. But in saying that, I, I love Coleman's and Ten. I thought he was fantastic and put away the dumb penalty. That was that was that was just that, just dumb. But uh, exactly those moments you talk about here, he, he's got something about him that uh, shows there's a bit more to his rugby than, than uh, just hitting the odd rug, ruck and making the odd tackle because uh, a, a quality player and hopefully we see him mature as we go on. Um, Quaid, you know, and I won't, I won't go on for the full 25 because we've got other things. You know, my NRC lovers there too. But, uh, you know, even just as his first touch, I think it was his first touch, that kick across field to Falau and, and, you know, great skills by Falau to pull it off. But that... Yeah, I think that indicated to the All Blacks that it wasn't going to be the usual night. There was going to be, they'd have to be a little bit w- more wary. Um, now, nothing much more happened until probably the final five minutes the, of the game when um, Quaid put Falao through on an inside ball. But uh, at least it kept the uh, the Blacks on their toes. You could say that a bit more in him. Um, but yeah, Reece Hodge again, fantastic debut. Really interesting to see. He's one of the, we just, you. Just hope he's not one of those players that gets sac- you know sacrificed by his own versatility. Um, and I guess Mortlock, you know, that's another reason we're comparing to Mortlock. I think I remember Mortlock playing his club footy at 15, um, made his Wallaby debut on the on the wing, played both centre positions, and I guess you can see Hodge uh, playing a few of those. But yeah, where Hodge ends up, he, he I'd love to see Foulaw closer to the action, and maybe Hodge is that fullback option too down the line. But uh, yeah, those new guys, lots to uh, lots to appreciate, and let's hope they get a bit of consistency moving forward to South Africa. Um, all right. So next weekend, there is no test match this week, guys. So the, the Wallabies uh, have from international level have a week off. Um, what they do with it, we'll have to see. What do you reckon? Should they have a, a hit out in the NRC or who should have a hit out in the NRC there, Matt? Do, do we rest them or we'll throw them back out on the footy field?
2: Oh, mate, look, I've um, – yeah, I'm going to swim against the tide on this question probably, so I think there's a bunch of guys in there who need a good old rest. Um, it's been interesting. If you look at the way our guys performed, especially at Sydney, when you saw uh, a number of – and I know that in a lot of cases they were tight forwards, but just had All Blacks just ghosting past them and, you know, didn't have a yeah. chance of getting close. And um, I don't think it's because our guys uh, – are underdone I can't help but feel it must be because they're overdone um you know I just wonder if they've just gone too hard at it uh and you know you know they're just cooked um and I think just mentally as well I think just about every one of them is going to need some some prep I mean if there's anybody it's probably some of those guys who had bench minutes um you know I think uh Reece Hodge should probably play about as much footy as he can at the moment while he's sort of developing you know those sorts of guys and the Colmans of the world and you know just keep um, you know, charging on, so they could probably do. But I think some of those older, like you know, you, you know, whether it's your Foley um, Cooper, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more footy.
0: Yeah, under, I under, agree. Under, yep.
2: um, but most of those guys who've done the long yards, you know, um, you know, for example, Hooper and all those sorts of guys, I just yeah, I think give them a well earned rest.
0: What do you think? You rest them or, or keep the miles coming out of their feet?
1: Oh no, look, I, I agree with Matt. Uh, the one guy I would like to see back at NRC is Quade Cooper. I think he yep. um, you know, you touched on it there, but for a couple of reasons. I, I think he's a conference player and keeping him on the field and getting him in a slightly – you know in, in, and the NRC suits his rugby down, down to the ground. So I think it could only be a positive to get him out with a bit more space, get the ball in his hands. And look, that Brisbane City team, which presumably he'd be going to, probably needs that that figure in the back line too. So it would be a positive um, for, for that side. Um, I agree broadly though, that we do look tired. I mean, I think we, the, 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 moment for me was in that game where Wilkenia made his little darting run and he beat, you know, five or six tackles, you know, took us up into the All Black 22. And I thought, you beauty, here we go. A bit of broken field, you know, a couple of slow All Blacks getting back. This is where we will, we'll, we'll capitalise. And, you know, the ball was a bit slowed up on the ground and we, we passed it back. And our blokes were at sixes and sevens wandering down the field. And the All Blacks had just a set line already there. You know, that they'd beaten us all back. Not only had they contested the breakdown, but they had time to set up a defensive line where we were just, you know, had no clue what we were doing. And we had blokes streaming down the field. Um, I think fitness is a question. I, I I think they you're right, Matt, they might be overdone. So be more than happy to see uh, a lot of them having a week on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see him come back. But there's that core group, like you say, more in particular. I think he, I I hope he's away now. I think he's, I hope he's in, I don't know, Fiji, somewhere just away from, away from the game. He's probably not away from rugby if he's in Fiji at the moment. But he's just got a, he needs to clear his head or something. He looks tired. and I'm sure he's mentally drained. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the post-match press conference, but he looked just out of it. And the poor fellow, he got a feel from me. He's copying flack f- left, right, and centre, particularly from this site. Um, but those core guys, Fardy, Moore, Kepu, the French guys, Izzy and the Pooper, yep, rest him up, love to see him play, but I think they need it. But you're right, there's that, that core group there that that would love to keep playing. Hallett Petty probably needs another, you know, get him back playing for the Perth Spirit and let him run ragged at fullback there. And, and Reese Hodge, you say, Quade, absolutely. Um, but um, all those guys, James Slipper, you know, he needs some uh, some time on the field, Alatoa. Um, yeah, I, I think there'd, there'd be a benefit of getting that, freedom back at that sort of level of rugby too maybe a different voice in the head might help them as well but uh hopefully will uh, by all reports i think we will hear some wallaby names in the teams as they start getting announced probably thursday um it'll just be a matter of who is and, and what sort of value they get from let's just hope there's no injuries um we have got to get on to our last burning question which is about the nrcn last weekend but i want to talk briefly about next weekend because next weekend's father's day matt and people might be stuck for a present idea for their father any
2: suggestions? Well, indeed. What, what father wouldn't want a mixed case of uh, Aussie and Kiwi beers? And so long-time listeners will know about this fantastic deal we've got. It's still running, um, even though it's uh, not technically leading up to a Bledisloe Cup this weekend. Um, so, But you can still get in there. You can still get uh, 20 bucks off and free delivery of a fantastic a mixed Case um, of Craft Go to the Craft Beer Market um, Look in their, their Mixed Case section And you will see uh, That um, there's the uh, I think it's the, the Forward Pack, the back line, And the Type 5 Mixed Cases Put um, Gagger 20 in When you get in there and you get a, a lobster Off as well as um, yeah, Free delivery Anywhere in Australia uh, So yeah, get in there and do that You'll also find a link um, in the post Where this podcast is
0: Good stuff. Uh, great present. I know I'll be uh my son listens to the podcast, so I'll be looking uh, very eagerly to see if he's managed to work out how to pay for these things online um, and what comes on Sunday. Um, all right, our last putting question is about the NRC, the Na- National Rugby Championship, which started on the weekend uh, with four games, Perth Spirit getting up over the Melbourne Rising over there in Perth, New South Wales country. Uh, uh, perhaps upsetting, the upsetting on the scope of things, Brisbane City, the the reigning champions. Uh, Sydney Rays are securing their first win... Uh, against the Western Sydney Rams, and the UC Vikings, the Canberra Vikings, the only away team to win, uh, got up over Queensland Country quite comfortably. Who caught your eye, Hugh? I know you watched a few of the games. A- any interesting names uh, from your perspective?
1: Yeah, look, the, a few. The um, A lot of them one-sided a little bit. Certainly the uh, the changing to the scoring system does make it a little bit more, um, uh, you know, a bit more blowouts in, in terms in terms of the uh, the points that can be scored. And you can really rack up a, a high total if you, if you get a roll on. I, I really like watching the uh, the Brisbane City-New South Wales country game. I think they were two pretty high-quality sides, and there, there was some willing defence, which which often you don't see in the LRC. actually it tends to be pretty uh, attack-dominated. Um, I actually really like the, the performance of both halfbacks. I thought Jake Gordon and mm. Pete, Pete Playford talked up last week and said he, he was us, a yeah. bottle for the spring tour. Um, and I thought that was over it, but I actually thought he was really good. And, and um, the same with, um, I think it's Moses Cerovi, Um Sorovi, yep. Uh, I'm not sure uh, where he's come from. You might be able to enlighten me, but I thought he was really impressive too. Um, and I just loved seeing your return to NRC footy. It's just a, it's a great style. It's so watchable. Um, you know, a, a lot of it, you know, it's a bit scrappy. A lot of drop balls and forward passes, as you'd expect with the teams only having been together for a couple of weeks. But yeah. Um, yeah, look, uh, there was there was certainly some uh, some good performances in that game, and yeah, and, um, yeah, I, I, I was I'd be I'd be interested to see how how both of those teams move forward, and whether whether Brisbane City are having a bit of a down year or it's actually Country might might be coming to the fore.
0: Oh look! I think country are definitely stepping up. That Sydney, te- that Brisbane City team has lost a lot of players. I mean, yeah, yeah their backline's usually got Frisbee, Jake McIntyre, yeah, uh, Hunt, Henry, Henry Arthur, after Yeah, exactly. So they've lost a lot of players, and I and I think it showed they didn't have the uh, the. I guess, the game-breaking uh, player in there, particularly in the centres and at full-back. A bit of talent there. So that Moses Sorobi's been around. He actually played a couple of times for Brisbane off the bench last year, plays for the University of Queensland. He did a Will Getty or almost. It was close to signing with the force, but decided to hang around in Queensland and has, in fact, uh, been signed by the Reds as their third-string halfback. Um, bit of uh, uh, he's got an indigenous background, so that's great to see that sort of program coming through to fruition. But he's a, a super talented player, real uh, real live wire. But I don't. know, Do you see the, the young fly half outside him, Jake Strawn for yes, um, sure. Brisbane? City? he tiny cool. guy? You know, tiny guy, but he monster boot. Scored a good try, got smashed by the the entire New South Wales Country front row, <laughs> but got back up and and, and kept playing. Yeah,
1: um, look, look I, I think I think what. What um what that countryside is, I, I'd look out because I've got a lot of class in that forward pack, and you know guys like Tolo Latu, Ned Hattigan, Dave Horwitz. Um, you know, Andrew Kellaway as well, who just now all of a sudden, uh, you know, to his third NRC and he just looks like a much classier player. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him be be right up there in terms of the uh, player of the competition, just because he, he more and more just looks like the, you know, the experienced, um, skillful player that, uh, that he's turned out to be with the Waratahs. So this could, this could really be one where he stamps his authority on the comp.
0: Yeah, so I've chucked a, a team of the week up there in the, on the Grinning Gold Rugby site, com. You can have a look at that. So it's our best 15. We'll do that every week. But there's a few levels of people I just wanted to point up to. That Canberra Vikings team put in a really good performance against Queensland Country, who I had high expectations on, but they got smashed.
2: Well, um, but two yeah, names there. I was going to jump in there, yeah, mate. I, um, I don't know if I'm uh, stealing any of your thunder there, but I thought Powell, the halfback, had a, had a, yeah. a great little game. He looked really nippy as well. He did really great distribution
0: and was involved, I think, in probably, I mean, all halfbacks are involved in tries, but the first three he was pretty intimately involved. But the other two was uh, big Rory Arnold, another lock with some good Uh, talent that had some good form for the Wallabies earlier this year, Uh, making his way back through injury was really good Um, and then the other man coming back through injury injury came on the second half, Henry Spate. so he scored I think two tries in the last 20 minutes of the game Um, looked pretty damn solid as well so uh, he'll be one you would think he'll get a game time this week without doubt um, uh, but he might be one of the Wallabies keep an eye on as well. Yeah. So you look at those guys with Wallaby experience. There's another level of players that you know whether if the Wallaby selectors wanted to take some risks. And I've said this guy before, but John O'Lance, made. I, I just think he's such a quality player, and he could really solve some uh, um, problems in that inside centre role. He's played a lot of inside centre, tough. You, you know, great defensive game, really smart kicking game, very capable distributor. Um, real leader of the team. He was, uh, I think he was man of the match in that Perth spirit. win over the rising. Um, but Tom Staniforth, he plays, he's, an, he's a lock forward, uh, played blindside for the Vikings on the weekend. He's only young. He's very raw, but geez, he's playing well. He's such a strong player, super skillful. He probably needs another season of Super Rugby under him, but he's, he's a name we'll see coming up too. But then these young raw guys too, there's some rookies. So Sam Needs, you talk about that Eagles team, Hugh, and that, head Props, Sam Needs, had a monster game. Look, they got beaten in the scrum, and a prop's got to be out of scrum first and foremost. But this guy put in three or four huge tackles, was scored a great try, you know, supporting a length of the field break, um, but a really busy game by Needs. Um, there's a number eight for the Perth Spirit called Huna Havili, I probably got that name wrong, but he's, he went to the same school as Taniela Tupo in New Zealand. He is of Tongan extract as well. Played wing for the spirit last year. He's back at number eight, which is preferred position. Think Radiki Sama, a young player, but he's a, he's got a lot of power and potential. So I reckon he's one we should keep an eye on. Um, Jordan Jackson-Hope, who's a young inside center, was away with the Aussie under-20s on their World Championship earlier this year, but he scored a lightning try for the Vikings Vikings in the weekend and set up a try for Henry Spate. He's small, had a few defensive frailties, but just that natural skill that you you want to encourage in these young players. Did you say
1: Jackson-Jordan-Hope or Jordan-Jackson-Hope?
0: Jordan-Jackson-Hope. I said the right one. Whichever the right one is, that's (laughs) the one I said. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Jordan Jackson, hope. Um, but, yeah, a lot of talent. out. Oh, the other one I wanted to mention, again, a Perth Spirit guy, a guy I hadn't heard of, uh, their fullback, Manahira Eden, was superb. Just a really smart player, very dangerous at the back. So, mate, this is why I love the NRC, because you've you got the old staples making their way back in, but you've got these young rookies just uh, uh, you know, making a name for themselves, and, and there's some super talent out there. So mate, what's the what's the schedule though? Is
2: it aren't they having a week off at some stage? When's that
0: happening? No, not the NRC. NRC goes all the way through, mate. And in okay. fact this weekend this weekend is their Father's Day round. So I know I'm taking my dad to the Brisbane City game. Um Matt, you'll be pleased to note Friday night, Sydney Rays are hosting the Perth Spirit at North Sydney Oval again, mate, seven thirty kickoff.
1: Come on, mate. Um
0: yeah, so both teams had wins last round, so that'll be a pretty decent game. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Brisbane City are hosting the Western City Rams at Ballymore. I'll be there with my old man, uh, looking forward to that. And then Sunday, um, Melbourne are playing Queensland Country down at Harlequin Oval in Melbourne. Uh, so both first round losers, probably surprise losers too, they would say. And then Canberra playing New South Wales Country. And here this will be an epic game down at Viking Park. The two are probably the best performers of the first round.
1: Yeah, well, look and and just encourage everyone is we don't really have to do it too hard because it's such great footy. But get out there and and take the chance. No Wallabies game this weekend, and go 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 get down to a ground. or get onto our Fox Sports um, and uh, and and watch one of the games because we need to support it uh, as well as we can. It's 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 such a great uh, competition for Australian rugby.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Hey, other piece of news I just wanted to pick up today, and I guess it's an FYI, a community service announcement. Queensland Rugby, and we've talked a bit about the Sevens and where it's going to go, but Queensland Rugby this Saturday morning are holding... Open Sevens Trials. Men's, women's, if you reckon you want to go for the Queensland Open Sevens team, get down to Ballymore at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, what a fant- And this is where you'll start picking up all these athletes. This is how that Elia Green was found and, and uh, all these young players who, not necessarily from rugby background, get down there and, who knows, a couple of years' time, you could be an Olympian.
2: You got your boots there, Reg? Uh,
0: I might be a little bit past this one.
2: <laughs> well, we've got some of that footage, you and Quaid. Uh, you've been in the same, <laughs> same ring with him, teaching him some lessons.
0: Yeah mate, that's that's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> um <laughs> that should pretty much wrap us up, guys. Anything else you want to go touch on before we go? Well I'll put that down as a no <laughs> as
2: a no. I think we've put the world to rights, mate. I'm just uh, looking Yeah, up, I think we've answered everything. I just put yeah, just looking up uh, you know, Raymond Twatts uh, phone number, just to give him a bit of a late night call
1: geez <laughs> you really... God, you got right off the deep end here, haven't you? It's, yeah. it's right from the get-go. I've lost it. Um, yeah, I, I get the impression, mate, you weren't happy with the refereeing. I mean, I just wish you'd come <laughs> out and say it.
2: No, well, okay. I'll, I'll try and cheer up. Yeah, thankfully we've got the week F just
0: to chill out, go and enjoy some NRC rugby. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. And uh, Matt and Hugh, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, guys.
1: Till next week. So from his own side of halfway, distance wow. is not a problem. That is a massive kick.